Mom? Like some of the directing and act. Oh God! I'll shut. No, my God. No, we're we can't. Out. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start there. I'll edit it out, and people will be like, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to. Hello. Anyways, how's your sex life? We are your slutty hosts. I'm Channa. I'm Corey. Welcome to episode sixty-nine, yes, y'all. Bitch. Yes. We're here. We did it. This is definitely the first time we've ever recorded this episode. Sixty-nine, ever. part two. <laughs> part two, take two. Part yeah, uh, yeah. Take one is forever lost. <laughs> so to explain that, last week Corey and I recorded an epic episode only for the audio to get unbelievably fucked up and then we couldn't re-record because my mom was in town just life so here we are re-recording the episode for you guys yes. it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good we time. switched, Luckily, we we both switched ha- some things up yeah and we both have like really solid really fun subjects so it's, it's oh, yeah. interesting it's oh gonna yeah be a good time but welcome everybody we just have a quick one quick announcement to two quick announcements to make um, first one is listener stories. You have one more week to get us your stories. Yeah, you look So counts. do it. We're looking for 13 stories. It could be true crime. It could be supernatural. It could be sex stories. It could be a funny story. Pretty much anything that you think that we would ever talk about on this podcast, send it our way. You can send it to our email, which is ahyslpodcast at gmail.com. You can send it. You can submit it through our website, which is ahyslpodcast.com. You can send it to us through Instagram, which is you guessed it, AHYSL podcast or Facebook. You know, just just send it to us. Send us your stories. Like right now, if you're like, I have a story, just stop whatever the fuck you're doing and send it. Yeah, because bitch. we need you guys, just like you need us. It's a it's a love love win win relationship. You you give mm-hmm. us your story, mm-hmm. we love you eternally. Uh, as always. You will be considered anonymous unless you specify otherwise, because we exactly. respect y'all's privacy. That's my announcement. Now Corey has an announcement for you guys. Yeah, so my announcement is we are still doing Candyman uh, for this week's uh, Movie Monday. However, we're just going to drop down to Movie of the Month, because it seems like it, it's just a lot for us to do life, podcast, job, and then on top of that, every week, sp- specifically watch one movie. I watch about four or five movies a week, but like to specify it and then have Chana and everybody else like sync up with it, uh, we're just, it's just a little bit much. So we're just going to do movie of the month from here on out. Um, this month's movie of the month, because it is Pride Month, is going to be a Knife Plus Heart. It is a great, beautiful film. One of the best, like most stylish and artful films I've ever seen. It is uh, French, and just to give you a quick little synopsis, it is about, uh, or sorry, I'm picking this one specifically because, like, it's fucking Pride Month, and I love queer horror, but from, uh, but, like, the next months from here on out, I'll have a, a sort of, like, you know, people pick between two or three or four films, um, but it's, like, Knife Plus Heart, 
Um, you can, I think you can watch it online for free somewhere. If not, it's probably like three or four dollars to rent. And you have an entire month to do it. So go do it. It's beautiful. It's basically about the this lesbian who runs a porno, a gay porno or, or gay male porno yes. in the seventies, and a killer starts to stalk the people that are in her film and kill them. So she sort of goes in to figure out what's going on, and it's like it's literally like a queer fever, like slasher fever dream. That's like Ooh, the entire fun. thing. And M83 does the soundtrack. It is it is one of uh. the most beautiful, like, like erotic and dream-like films I've ever watched. It's so great because it's French because fuck yeah. So go watch it. Knife plus heart. That's what it is. Yay. Yay. And we'll talk about knife. When will we talk about knife plus heart, Corey? So we'll talk about knife plus heart the last episode that comes out in June. So that'll be the 29th. Uh, so you have until the 29th to do that. And throughout the month, I'll post some like info and fun stuff about the movie and yeah and to become more involved with movie of the month follow us on instagram and i already gave you guys our instagram handle yeah, bitch. because you'll be helping us choose the movie for the for the next month there's going to be like fun trivia and whatnot or you know there's going to be some fun stuff on our instagram so definitely go follow our instagram because we post a lot of shit there yeah bitch so let's get into my fact effect yes let's do it my affogados um, if you don't know what that is, go back to like episode, I don't know, it's like 24, 20, it's when we did Ted Bundy, so like 24, 25, 26, something like that. When we Memories. talk about faggots. Okay, so my uh, faggot fact today is on Storme de Larverie. Um, people said, some people said de Larvere, um, but I think it's de Larverie. Okay, so Storme de Larverie was born in December 24th in 1920. And was a self-described biracial butch lesbian who, whose heroic and badass resistance to the cops was the spark that ignited the crowd surrounding the Stonewall in riots. Thus stone, uh, in the Stonewall, thus starting the Stonewall riots and officially launching the gay liberation movement. So she was born in New Orleans. Her mother, uh, was, who was black, was a servant in the house of her father, who was white. At some point, her father married her mother and the family moved to California. So according to De, La, uh, De La, Larvery, um, she was not certain of her actual date of birth, so she celebrated it on December 24th. She rode jumping horses uh, with the Ringling Brothers circus, circus when she was a teenager, but stopped after being badly injured after her fall. Uh, she realized that she was gay near the age of 18. She began performing as a singer in her late teens, first as a woman and later dressed as a man. For a while, she sang in a jazz group and performed even in Europe. This jazz group uh, traveled around uh, the United States and then eventually traveled around Europe. Um, There was a long period in Chicago where she told her friends that she was a bodyguard for mobsters. And then from specifically 1955 to 1969, which brings us up to the Stonewall riots. um, So De Lavery uh, toured the Black Black Theater circuit as the MC, as a drag king, one of the first known drag kings of the Jewel Box Review. The Review regularly played the Apollo Theater in Harlem, as well as being like an interracial thing. It also uh, played to interracial audiences, something that was very rare during this part, uh, this uh, era of the United States. So cool. fucking, fucking go her. Um, Hell yeah. So I, be, I introduced her as a biracial but, butch lesbian. Um, most of the sources that I got, especially like the New York Times, uh, referred to her as biracial and Wikipedia as well. 
Um, so I'm just keeping it at that point because I don't know exactly how she specifically wants to identify herself. Um, if anybody finds out uh, more specific information on that, like please inform us and I'll say that I'll, in like a note of a later fag effect. Um, but moving on. Um, so this basically what I just talked about of her uh, being a drag king and an MC of this uh, jewel box review uh, basically brings her to Harlem and be living in the area near Greenwich Village where the Stonewall Inn is and brings us to 1969 and the Stonewall Riots. So let's get to the Stonewall ri- Riots and why I'm What's talking up, about her specifically today. To talk about the Stonewall Riots uh, and go back to episode like 32, 33 um, where I talk about the Stone ri- Stonewall Riots. I take two episodes to talk about it. Basically what happens is there's this Stonewall Inn, which is a club where gays, um, lesbians, transgender people could be which was a big deal at the time as well to like allow transgender people to like hang out and be in places um as well as gays uh, which is sad to say but that was the reality um so gays lesbians allies and transgender people of all colors were there that night what happens is when there was a gay bar in new york then mafia usually owned the gay bar and would protect uh the people from uh, the police. So the mafia who owned the gay bar or the queer bar would pay out the police and would allow raids raids once in a while, but they were more routine. And the cops would just be paid off and they would leave. And this would happen like one to two times a month. However, this raid happened unannounced and unplanned when they usually were basically planned. And uh, that's what started the riots. People were like, what the fuck? What is going on? This shouldn't happen tonight. And people got pissed. So basically, most of the people were taken outside, while actually most of the transgendered people were kept inside. And if you want to figure out what happens to them, it's really shitty and really appalling. Um, Go listen to episode 32-33 when I talk about it. And basically, most of the people were, were shoved outside, and this is what happens outside. is At the Stonewall Riot, a scuffle broke out when a woman in handcuffs outside of the Stonewall Inn um, was escorted from the door of the bar to the waiting police wagon. She was brought through the crowd uh, by police several times as she had escaped repeatedly. So she like is trying to be shoved uh, or pulled away from the inn and shoved into this police wagon to be taken away and arrested. But she literally escapes. I think the record uh, people say it was four times. (laughs) She like breaks away from them. She's like, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, Um, bitch. She then fights off at least four police from account, multiple accounts swearing and shouting the whole time for about 10 minutes while this whole scuffle on um now uh this uh, since this whole thing has started it's been about an hour by the time they start getting everybody out and start uh, arresting them and the police uh, wagons wagons arrive so while there's a good amount of patrons that are involved in the riot most of the people involved in the riot are people who are realizing what's going on so it's drawing a crowd so there's a crowd watching this boss ass bitch lesbian uh, Stormy Delavery, like, be pulled out multiple times by police, fighting off multiple police as she's screaming and fighting and pushing them away and getting away like four times. She is described by witnesses as a typical New York City butch and also a Dyke Stone butch. <laughs> Which is, I love that. I hope that's not derogatory in any way because I love that description. That's fucking legit. Someone's like, it's it's a bit rough, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> There's someone's like, you're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? This it sounded really cool. <laughs> they're like, it's cancel culture. Anyways, Tessa's sex life is canceled. 
You know, if we got canceled for that comment, I am like shocked that we didn't get canceled for like multiple (laughs) other comments that we have made. (laughs) So reports say that she had been hit on the head by an officer with a baton. As she was doing this, her entire head is bleeding from being hit too hard. Um, Bystander Ricard that Delavery uh, sparked the crowd to fight back as the fourth and final time when she was being put into the cop car, she looked at bystanders and shouted, why don't you guys do something? After an officer picked her up and heaved her into the back of the wagon, it is said that at this time she threw the first punch to which the crowd went berserk. It is at this moment that, that the scene became explosive. Um, chills. Th- yeah, literally chills right now. Um, this is I what remember- started the Stonewall riots. This is what started chills. the gay liberation movement. So we have a black or biracial butch lesbian to thank for this riot. There's also other there's other other key people involved with this. These other key figures were Marsha P. Johnson as well as uh, Sylvia Rivera. Uh, they are both, uh, they both co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, the Star Group. At their times, at least specifically, I know off the top of my head that Marsha P. Johnson never self-identified as transgender, but the term was not that very broad while, while she was alive. Um, but they started the, tran- the transvestite, which is a dated term for that usually. Um, but just to like respect that, we will just won't, we don't need to go into much um, they're also, uh, uh, Sylvia Rivera is a Latina American, um, and then Marsha P. Johnson is black. Um, so go them. They also are key figures and in the riots in the days to come after this first night that it started. It is because of the moment that I just talked about recently that, uh, Storme, uh, Delavery is known today as the gay community's Rosa Parks. She really like, uh, oh. like. Every every account will refer to her as the gay community's Rosa Parks because that it, it that's basically she basically started the gay liberation movement and Rosa Parks would start the civil rights movement as well or be like the catalyst for that movement. Uh, it uh, also there's a famous famous very beautiful quote from Stormy Delavery when people ask her in multiple review or multiple interviews up until her death when they would m- mention the Stonewall riots in front of her she would always say. It was a rebellion. It was an uprising. It was a civil rights obedience. It wasn't no damn riot. Oh, isn't that that's so fucking good? Like, oh my God, that sh- <laughs> that should be a fucking sign. Yeah, like right now, like at the protest, uh-huh. like that should be a sign. Exactly. Like, my God, it's so good. You're so right. I would love to make that. Yeah, that's fucking dope. Okay, so after Stonewall, so Stormy Delavery's uh, partner. Um, was a dancer named Diana who she met in her years as she was touring as an MC and being a a drag king, one of the first drag kings. Um, they lived together for about 25 years until Diana died in the 1970s. According to one of Stormay's or Delavery's best friends, Lisa Kenestrasi, I hope I pronounced that correctly, remember her name. Um, Delavery carried a photograph of Diana at her at all times until her until she died. Oh, um, and that's so that's so sweet. so sweet. In 1987, Michelle Parkinson released the first cut of the movie Storme, the Lady of the Jewel Box, which is basically a documentary about her about her life and her time uh, touring around. Also, uh, Storme Delavery's uh, influence on fashion is extremely important. 
her with her experience in being like theatric her theatrical experience and experience in costuming and stuff she basically could pass as a man or woman and she could also pass as black or white when they would do performances she off stage she would also wear like very handsome she'd be extremely androgynous she inspired lesbians to in- adopt what was known as quote unquote men's clothing at the time and she is one of like the leading people influencing uh, like nice. lesbians dressing up in quote unquote men's clothing. Um, nice. She's now considered That's to have cool. been an influence on gender non-conforming win- women's fashion decades before unisex styles became accepted. So she is just a complete pioneer in that area. Um, so we like go her um, in the 1980s and 1990s. Oh yeah, like this is this is awesome. Um, if you search, if you search, if you search her, Chana, the pictures of her are just fucking legit. Like they're so cool. They're just literally definition of cool. In the 1980s and 1990s, she worked as a bouncer for several lesbian bars in New York City. So, Grant, she was born. So again, she was born in 1920. So by the time from the age of 60 to the 70s, she was a bouncer for lesbian bars in New York City. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> She was a member of the Stonewall Veterans Association, holding the offices of Chief of Security, Ambassador, and also Vice President. Uh, For decades, she also served the community as a volunteer street patrol worker, um, which were were, like tokened the guardian of lesbians in the village, (laughs) which is so cute. This gives you another like uh, sort of like insight into this. And this is actually from her uh, obituary, which we'll get to in a second. So it says, uh, this is uh, her obituary in the New York Times when she died. It says, tall, androgynous, and armed. She held a state gun permit. Miss DeLavery roamed lower 7th and 8th Avenues and points between, in, uh, points between into her 80s, patrolling the sidewalks and checking in at lesbian bars. She was on the lookout for what she called ugliness. Any form of intolerance, bullying, or abuse of her baby girls, quote-unquote baby girls. She literally walked the streets of downtown Manhattan like a gay superhero. She was not to be messed with by any stretch of the imagination. So, like, f- fuck. <laughs> Badass, boss-ass yeah. bitch. What are, what bitch, are you doing bitch, with your life? <laughs> I'm getting drunk on a Wednesday <laughs> with my right? best friend through fuck, right? Facebook. That's good. That's valid. Um, in addition to her work for the LGBT community, she also organized and performed at benefits for battered women and children. When asked oh why God. she was, she chose to do this work, she replied, somebody has to care. People say, why do you still do that? I said, it's very simple. If people didn't care about me when I was growing up with my mother being black raised in the South, I said, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, that, that's really good. And then she followed with, I'm a boss-ass bitch, 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 bitch. Literally, though. How then angels came she? down and sang that. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, like, baby Jesus rolled down and, like, wall twerked next to her. Literally. Um, how old was she when the Stonewall, Stonewall riots happened? Oh, so I'm about to get to that. So remember when I mentioned the person? Oh, how old was she when the Stonewall riots happened? Yeah. She was I just 49. Wanna... She was 49. Nice. Because she was born I still in, have, in the 20s. That means we in still 20s. have some time to become uh, queer superheroes. So we're oh, yeah. good. So oh, we're yeah. okay. We're good. We're we good. still have time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, she um, was 18. I'm like, fuck, Corey, we fucked up. <laughs> we're never going to be queer superheroes. Um, so the so the girl I mentioned, Lisa Kenestrasi, uh, who is like her, 
her guard, one of her guardians in her later years of life because her her family members were all dead. This girl Lisa said that Delavery Delavery continued this work of or, you know organizing and performing benefits for battered women and children and also being a bouncer until she was eighty five. So that, it, that that's that's two thousand five. Whoa! <laughs> so that's holy, sick. holy fuck. Um, so let's get on, uh, move on to her death and legacy. So Delavery suffered from dementia in her later years. From 2010 to 14, she lived in a nursing home in Brooklyn. While there, she didn't recognize she was in a nursing home. However, her memories of her childhood, as well as specifically the Stonewall Uprising, remained extremely strong. On June 7th in 2012, during Brooklyn Pride, they honored Stormy Delavery at the Brooklyn Society for Ethical Culture, where her documentary was screened. Uh, the documentary that I mentioned a little bit ago. On April 24th of 2014, Delavery was honored by the Brooklyn Community Pride Center. And then uh, just a month later, uh, she died in her sleep on May 24th of 2014 in Brooklyn. Um, and again, she had no immediate family alive. So Lisa Kenestrasi, um stated that her cause of death was uh, as a result of a heart attack, but it happened in her sleep. A funeral was held on May 29th. At the Greenwich Village Funeral Home, and then in June t- uh, 2019. So this is this is crazy. Like I mean, this is beautiful and expected, but then also this additional information is crazy. In June 2019, Delavery was one of the inaugural 50 Americans that quote were pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes that were indicated uh, inducted on the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City Stonewall Inn. So this Stonewall National Monument is the first U.S. US national monument that is dedicated to the LGBTQ rights and history. Um, so that took place last year on the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. I had oh, no man. idea that there were is no, there had not been an official, an official national monument that was dedicated to queer people. I just assumed maybe that's already happened, but no, that happened last year for everybody. Wow. Like that happened, that happened less than a year ago. That's nuts. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it, 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 to a point it semi makes sense, but it's like, I thought there was already a national monument but, for like Harvey Milk or something, you know, I, I yeah, have no idea. But, like this all should have happened decades ago. Exactly. It's wild that this just happened now. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, less than a year ago. That's crazy. Yeah. So that is, so that is, um, Storm A. Delavery, um, or Delavere. I, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I looked, I, I watched a two, a few u- music or music videos, lol, YouTube videos. <laughs> just, just music videos <laughs> that, that talked about all this information. I'm like, I, so I like looked at Britney Spears and like Rihanna videos. <laughs> Yeah, for just like, like, bitch better have my money and work, bitch. Just work exclusively bitch. those two videos, uh, and that's like all repeat. this information. For I you tried guys. to get yeah. the pronunciation. I don't know why I didn't get it. Yeah, and then at the end, I watched "Born This Way" by Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, Happy Pride. Exactly. Yeah, while I like jacked off. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. So yeah. Cool. So again, well, literally without a badass biracial black butch lesbian you would not have pride that's wild because she fought off fucking note, four cops three to four separate times and on that note fuck the police and happy pride Woo! exactly <laughs> fuck the police black life matter happy pride there we go 
Uh, well, since it is Pride Month, everybody, for my spooky scoop today and over the course of Pride, I am going to be talking about STDs. Yes. So while you go get freaky, remember <laughs> the STDs exist. Wear protection. Get tested. Do your job to make sure that you are healthy. Because sex is super fun and awesome. Everybody should have it, but you should definitely be safe about it. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about some general STD facts today. Um, yes. And then over the next few episodes, I'm going to go through details of specific STDs to tell you like all the the gnarly details that you don't want to know about them. Um, so today, though, is just general STDs. And uh, I'm sorry, Corey. This is going to horrify you. So Damn. Sorry, not sorry. Everyone go get tested. Go to your Planned Parenthood right now. Pause what yeah, you're doing. Bitch. Drive to Planned Parenthood immediately and your go get tested. Planned Parenthood, your local AIDS foundation will also do testing. Yes. Go go to, to either of those places and one, get tested, and two, donate money because they need it. There we go. So let's go over some general statistics. One in two sexually active people will contract an STI by the age of 25. Dun, dun, dun. Next one, the CDC estimates that nearly 20 million new STIs occur every year in oh, this country, in the U.S., <laughs> half of those among the people between aged uh, 15 to 24. 15 is oh really young. I don't have sex with people under 24, so, like, we're good. <laughs> That's good. But for for y'all under 24, 15 to 24, you better Y'all have out. fucking STDs. <laughs> right? Even though young people account for half of new STI cases, a recent survey showed only about 20, sorry, 12% were tested for STIs in the last year. Next fact, CDC estimates that undiagnosed STIs cause 24,000 women to become infertile every single year. That's a very that that's that's a scary uh little stat for you right there. I'm scared. So women <laughs> go get tested to make sure you, you know, you don't become infertile. Yes. And also so you don't eventually get like uh ovarian cancer and whatnot. Anyways, next one. The total estimated direct cost of STIs annually in the US is about 16 billion dollars. <laughs> So go Jesus. us, everybody. We are really moving this economy along by getting STIs. <laughs> Woo! I'm now a Six- conservative Christian because of that 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 comment. <laughs> Corey is George. I'm Hello, George. George. Welcome, George welcome to the chat. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right, so now let's go through HPV, y'all. Oof. So researchers estimate that at least 80, 80, 80, 80% of sexually active people will have an HPV infection at some point in their lifetime. Now, everybody, I'm going to interject right here. Y'all could have, like, listened to a really fun moment where I thought that she was talking about herpes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, I Corey was shook it. I was shook it for, like, three minutes the last time we recorded this because I thought that it, it was herpes. But, no, just, like, listen, calm down. <laughs> HPV is not herpes. They're separate. But it's still crazy. Next week, I'll go through the like HPV and herpes so we can learn a little bit more about the STIs. God, to to calm Corey down. (laughs) Also, we'll go list. We'll make sure that Corey and I get tested this month. (laughs) Anyways, uh, the CDC data for 2013 through 2014 show that about 42 percent of men. And 40% of women aged 18 to 59 had genital HPV Jesus at that time. Jesus Christ. 
HPV is responsible for approximately 31,500 cases of cancer each year, including nearly all cases of cervical and anal cancer. Um, about 75% of vaginal, 70% of oropharyngeal cancer, and 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 69% of 69. vulvar cancer. Fuck yeah! So HPV is really serious because it can it will cause cancer. So it's very important that you get tested. Um, however, there is an there is a vaccine now. Within and most the, of us have gotten it. Yeah, you Sorry. got it when you were a teenager, and you had like a really painful arm after you got it. Um, so if you don't know if you uh, have ever gotten this receipt, this vaccine before, you can go ahead and call your state's health department, and they have a list of all the vaccines that you have received, and they can let you know if you had it or not. Yeah, I if freaked out about that received, for like five minutes too. Yeah, if you have not received your HPV vaccine, um, definitely go call up your Planned Parenthood, make an appointment, and get that done. Um, now, within the first six years of the introduction of the HPV vaccine, there was a 64% decrease in HPV prevalence amongst females aged 14 to 19. Thank God. And a 34% decrease amongst those 20 to 24 years. So, um, yeah, definitely go get a vaccine, y'all. Um, now let's talk about herpes on that note. So herpes infection is common. About one in eight people aged 14 to 49 in the U.S. has genital herpes, one in eight. So you probably know someone that has the herp, yo. About one in two people aged 14 to 49 in the U.S. are infected with HSV-1, which is a typical cause of oral herpes. Um, however, increasing numbers of genital herpes cases are caused by HSV-1. So y'all know any you, – you, it's a guarantee you know someone that gets – cold sores and like the oral like the oral herpes everyone knows someone that has it and i am like a total psychopath about it because i live my life a very specific way not to get cold sores because i already deal enough like with my skin problems if i had cold sores on top of it i literally might not make it no, <laughs> so no yeah like that. i'm like a maniac about it but anyways uh oral herpes is also a cause for genital herpes so if you have a like wart on your mouth or like a cold sore on your mouth and you eat someone out or suck someone's dick you could give them um, genital herpes so like don't do that next <laughs> next stat uh, symptoms it. of genital herpes often go unnoticed most people with genital herpes are you ready for this for oh this my, number no Corey? i'm already i'm already scared close <sighs> to no. 90%. 90. I for, don't how did I forget even this? know that they have the infection. Oh my 90. God. So you could have it right now and you just don't know. Uh I probably have I don't know. I've had sex with a good amount of people. Yeah, it's very shocking, know. Corey, that you haven't had like an STD yet. Yeah, <laughs> so. like holy fuck. You like get a panel. They're like, you have everything. They're like, you literally have every <laughs> single STD that exists. There's a new STD that is we it, just isn't found. Isn't that like a Simpsons storyline where like Homer gets tested for stuff? That's not, it's not STDs, <laughs> but they're like, you have so many things that you're at a perfect balance of like nothing happening to you, but like the slightest breeze could make you ill. That's fine. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> And the last herpes stat is globally, researchers estimate that about two-thirds of the population under age 50, more point, more than 3.7 billion people what? are infected with, with HSV-1, what which the is like the mouth, fuck. the oral herpes. 
some 140 million people aged 15 to 49 are infected with genital HSV-1, primarily Ugh. in the Americas, Scary. Europe, and Western Pacific. So, like, herpes is, like, hella common. So, yeah, just know that. It, it, herpes is a thing. Up to 90% of people uh, with genital herpes don't even know they have it. So, wow. like, there's wow, that. Wow, that's crazy, yeah. Now let's go through chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis, the fun ones. So in 2015, rates of the three most common reportable STIs were um, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. Um, They reached a record high level. Uh, Approximately 1.5 million reported cases of chlamydia represented the highest number of annual cases of of any condition ever reported to the CDC. That was actually beat everybody in 2018 because we had 1.5. 8 million cases of chlamydia. Congratulations, everybody. We Yay. did it. We really, we outperformed that year. Yay. Go us. Good job. Now, while the CDC and the U.S. Preventative Service Task Force recommends annual chlamydia screening for sexually active young women aged 15 to 24, fewer than half of eligible women are screened according to the guidelines. Um, young Whoa. people aged 15 to 24 account for 65% of chlamydia diagnoses and 50% of gonorrhea in 2015. During 2014 and 2015, rates of syphilis in both men and women increased in every single region of the U.S. And then from 2013 to 2015, the reported gonorrhea infections increased each year. In 2015, a total of 395,216 cases were reported for a rate of 123.9 gonorrhea cases per 100,000 population. And then in women, undiagnosed and untreated chlamydia and gonorrhea can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease. What the fuck? And according to the CDC, one in eight women with a history of pelvic inflammatory disease experience difficulties getting pregnant. So that does lead to you being infertile. Um, So definitely go get tested. Um, Syphilis can also, like, destroy your brain. (laughs) So, like, go get tested, everybody, right now. Next, let's talk about hepatitis. The CDC estimates that approximately 850,000 people are living with hepatitis B in the U.S., although other studies have estimated that this number is around 2.2 million. So that's like a huge like increase. So it's either between 800,000 or 2 million. You know, you choose what you want to believe, but like, you know, a bunch of people have it. The rate of new <laughs> hepatitis B infections has declined by approximately 82% since 1991 when routine vaccinations of children were first recommended. So woohoo, go vaccines. Yeah, woohoo. And then of the of the more than 3 million people living with hepatitis C, 3 out of 4 um, are baby boomers uh, that were born from 1945 to 1965. Baby boomers are 5 times more likely to have hepatitis C than any other adults. Wow, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Because baby boomers are sluts. Sluts. You sluts. We're looking at you, Don Draper. Yeah. Don We're looking Draper. at you, Grandma and Grandpa. You dirty sluts. Yeah, you dirty sluts. And now let's talk about HIV. Oof. So according to the CDC, 1.1 million people in the U.S. are living with HIV, and about one in seven of them don't know it. In 2015, uh, 39,513 people were diagnosed with HIV in the U.S., um, and then in 2013, an estimated 42% of Americans living with diagnosed HIV were age 50 and older. 
and then 25% were 55 and older, and then 6% were 65 and older. So as you see, like a huge bulk of the HIV cases were people that were older opposed mm-hmm. to younger. Um, and then pre-explosion, not explosion, <laughs> pre-exposure um, prophylaxis or PrEP involves taking a daily medication to prevent HIV infection um, in people who are HIV negative when taking consistently, PrEP has shown to reduce HIV infection risk up to 92%. So PrEP is like the HIV birth control. Um, Corey knows a lot of more information on PrEP than I do. I don't, have you done a spooky sc- or a faggot fact on PrEP before, Corey? No, I haven't yet. That's a good idea. I should totally do one. That'd be a great one because there are a lot of resources to get PrEP. Uh, definitely look into them if you can. Yep. Uh, um, and if, prep- you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I can't get PrEP, I don't have uh health insurance um there are usually for a good amount of states there are uh, ways that you can get prep without health insurance yeah so and it's very affordable yeah yeah totally you know 10 out of 10 highly recommend doing it just to keep your body safe because at the end of the day like stds stis are really scary and it just comes down to um, being safe and taking care of yourself and you know being as healthy as you possibly can um so don't get go get tested everybody um, the like AIDS Foundation, Planned Parenthood, there are a lot of great resources to get tested. Um, a quick Google search about where to get tested for STIs in my area can help you get to um, a doctor or a location that can test you for STIs. Uh, definitely sure. go get tested. It's it's really important because it's not just your health and safety um, that's that's uh, on the line there. It's any of your sexual partners as well. Because if you don't get tested and you have STIs, you're just spreading it to people. So we get tested, everybody. Um, and then this whole month, we're going to focus on specific STIs. But that is my spooky scoop. Don't yes. get tested. So Sponsored by Planned scared. Parenthood. Yeah. So get scared to have sex, y'all. Get scared. No. Sex <laughs> is wonderful and beautiful. Just be safe about it. And just be aware Very that, true. that scary shit is out there. Be logical but it's all about, about it. Yeah. Just be safe. That's all. Because yeah. you're so important and your bodies and your health is so important. So just yeah. take care of that. Very true. We love you. That's all. Okay. My supernatural segment. Today. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Bourbon you in are, my mouth. Bourbon you in my are mouth. drunk. <laughs> um, oof, bourbon in my throat. Oof. It's just going down slowly. Soon it'll be oh. bourbon in your stomach. Bourbon in your blood. It is. It's in my blood. Okay. Bourbon in my blood. That's a fucking good whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you tell us, Tyler. What yeah, is you it? Tell us, Tyler. <laughs> okay, so mine is about my supernatural segment is about the Joshua Ward house. This is good. Do I sound drunk as fuck? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh it's my like shocking god. how how different levels we are right now. Just oh that one god. shot. You're like, hello, everybody. Today's the Joshua house. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to sound drunk, but we're doing this. Also. Have I reviewed this since we did this last week? No. Yeah. Okay. Thank God. I have not reviewed mine either. Today, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. This is going to be great. Okay. So let's start with the history of the house. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Lord. Yeah. Lord Jesus, help us. It's midnight. I'd like to tell everybody. Oh, fuck. It's fucking midnight. Corey, I'll see you in eight hours. Yeah. Fuck me. Okay. So this historic three-story federal-style uh, brick house was built in 1784 at 148 Washington Street in Salem, Massachusetts. 
Um, this house was built to a wealthy merchant by the name of Joshua Ward, hence the name Joshua Ward House. Uh, Ward was a merchant, ship owner, and distiller who earned his fortune producing rum by distilling molasses that was brought over from the West Indies. Um, he lived there until his death in 1825. So it is one of the first brick houses of Salem and had like an interior interior like with like this exquisite woodworking that was done by some famous dude um, that was like mentioned in one like out of the 50. I actually read a lot of articles for this one this time. And it was like out of like the 15 articles I read, it was mentioned every time that it was done by this dude. So like, good job, woodworker, dude. Like, fuck yeah. However, he was not ever named as a carpenter, but a woodworker. So like. I don't know. Like maybe he was gay. Like I don't know. Yeah, he he's fucking gay. He's fucking. If someone's gay. like a yeah. woodworker, I hope I'm like, I hope oh, like yeah. yeah, and like I hope in like two thousand one hundred and twenty, someone's like Corey Martin woodworker. <laughs> <laughs> Pro woodworker. Pro woodworker. <laughs> slash woodsucker. Yeah, woodsucker. Yeah. Woodfucker. Yeah, fuck woods woods woodsucker. I'm a I'm a woodworker. I'm a woodsucker. <laughs> They're like, like alter ego George yeah. wood hater <laughs> wood burner wood burner okay um so the house was uh, so respected that even George Washington himself is reported to have specifically requested staying in this house when he visited Salem in 1789 so he did like a year and a half tour of the country and after he became president and was like yo I'm president like hey um do you and think do you think he was to a, a woodworker? <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <laughs> he hey. had wooden teeth, so possibly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know what else he had? He had wood he in had and around wood. his teeth. You, y'all heard he it gay. here. Y'all heard it here. George Washington is gay and had a big dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, fam. <laughs> You know, George Tell Washington everyone. is actually not a good guy. We, if so. you wanna, if you wanna question our sources and our cited sources, please go to www.fuckyou.com. <laughs> slash uh, Bonvoy cranberry seltzer <laughs> slash bourbon shots slash Wednesday slash Wednesday <laughs> dot sixty nine um, slash sixty nine. Yeah, four twenty plays a faggot. Uh, yeah, fa- faggot <laughs> slash faggot. Um, however. Despite the high-class attention that this house got, the building quickly became known as a haunted house because it was built on the same lot, the lot, not the same, like, not the same house. It was built on the same lot that a guy by the name of George Corwin used to live on. George Corwin was the high sheriff during the Salem Witch Trials. Y'all know we're not going to bring up Salem and not bring up the Salem Witch Trials. I don't know if that double negative was correct to use, but it did. Um, so the Salem witch trials lasted from February 1692 to May, thir- uh, to May 1693 and took place ni- 92 years before this house was built. So once Joshua Ward died, the house then became property of the city and then was made into a sort of tavern um, that passed to a, a few owners and then was vacant for a, a time until in 2015 it became uh, it was turned into a hotel. So that's just like the like quick history of the Joshua Ward house. So I yes. want to stay in that hotel. Oh my god, yes. Um there are like two desperately. main hotels that you want to stay in when you visit Salem. This is one of them and the second one I'll do a whole thing on uh, as well. Yeah. 
when we go to Salem this October, yeah. unless oh coronavirus kills us, let's go. Coronavirus, let's stay. Like, Woo. Ugh, I want to go so bad. Coronavirus, stop. <laughs> stop yeah, existing. Stop. Coronavirus. Don't ruin Halloween, coronavirus. I don't care about anything else. Just don't fuck up Halloween. God damn it. Like, just take a quick pause in October and then, yeah. like, continue for Christmas, whatever. But, like, Halloween yeah, is Christmas. sacred. Fuck Christmas. Yeah, fuck Christmas. <laughs> it's the, it's depressing anyways. I love I love Christmas, but, like, fuck Christmas compared to Halloween. Yeah. 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 I would much rather have a second Halloween, 100%. Yeah. So, this, uh, aside from Joshua Ward, I mentioned a guy named George Washington who was the, or sorry, not George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Jack. <laughs> George Corwin. Sorry. His he name is George. He changed his as whole well. story so people like go off and tell their friends. Did you know George Washington was involved with the Salem witch trial? <laughs> okay, so I mentioned a guy earlier his, by the name of George Corwin. It was George Corwin, not George Washington. Um, <laughs> he is the guy that used to own the land and that he was the high sheriff during the Salem witch trials. So let's talk about him because he is like way more important than than Joshua Ward, even though the house is named after him. Some actually refer to this as the George Corwin house. So George Corwin uh, was born February 26th in 1666. Fuck yeah, bitch. Fuck yeah. If I was born in the 17th century and it wasn't 1666, I would fucking... Kill yourself. Yeah, I'd be so fucking mad. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's Um, literally no point to, to living. Oh, no, unless, literally, yeah. Unless you were born in 1690, so you can be like, oh, 69, blah. Yeah, yeah, but, or like like 1669, I would accept that as well. Yeah, 16, yeah 16, 1666, 1669, 1690, yeah. one of those three. Otherwise, Oh, no my God, point. what if you were born in 1420? <laughs> nice. You're like, eh. You like come out of the womb, you're like, blaze it, faggot. Everyone's like, yeah, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like flipping off everybody dabbing and shit twerking out of your mom's vagina and then you're like hey my like great 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 grandson will be born in 1666 that'd be so fun <laughs> um so he was the high sheriff of the Exus county for massachusetts during the Salem witch trials um so he signed the warrants for the arrest and execution of those that were condemned to witchcraft during the Salem witch trials uh, George Corwin was the grandson of the governor of Connecticut and also the son-in-law to one of the magistrates involved in the witch trials as well. So it is highly believed that because of this, he g- only got this title slash position. I don't know which exact word, noun to use out of nepotism and as such did not qualify for what he was like, you know, assigned to be. This is also yeah. considered to be the reason why things went so far in the Salem Witch Trials. As a side note, he was assigned to, to be the high sheriff uh, in the middle of the Salem Witch Trials. I don't know if it was exactly the middle, but the Salem Witch Trials has already started happening before he was assigned this. So he wasn't the, necessarily the cause, but he was a definite like contributor to how far things went because he was like so inept. Um, again, he was born in 1666 in the Salem Witch Trials happened in 1692 so do the math that's not even 30 he's not even 30 when this happens he's 26 yeah. or like 25 that, or something like that yeah that's wild that's he's a young crazy nug. so like imagine he's channa a- literally leading the salem witch trials <laughs> like fuck yes I, 
<laughs> I would be like, uh, they're all innocent. Also, you're all cursed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all innocent, <laughs> and everybody who has been accused of a witch, you're meeting me at like midnight tomorrow, at three a.m. tomorrow night in the woods. <laughs> yeah, like bring your fucking cauldrons. We're doing this shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're getting we're getting witchy. Yeah. <laughs> And you're you're like fuck Trump, and then you like put the gravel down, the gavel. And down. I'm like, blaze like, the faggot. Who the fuck's Trump? <laughs> Who's the? Fu-? I'm like, just no, fuck Trump, and also like Hitler. But I just like give yeah, off like, everyone in the future. Fuck Hitler, fuck Trump. Fuck Hitler, fuck Trump. Like you know, gay pride. Gay pride. <laughs> <laughs> you say gay pride. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay like lady you know you, have you ever watched you know how like lady gaga is like one of the first witches on american horror story oh yeah she she's well, like there the... she's in the background and she's yeah, like she yeah she is you're right yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god she's, <laughs> she's like, like yes. rain on me <laughs> i was literally just about to say that <laughs> that's like a witch curse oh rain god. on me that's a good song it's I like, just want to go clubbing. Okay, like, side note, it's, like, good. It's not great, personally. Personally. It's a perfect clubbing song, Oh, though. it is. Oh, my God. Like, agreed. But, like, listening to it alone and, like, working, even just working out to it, it's not perfect. But at the club, no. I would be like, fuck yes. Like, fuck well, me. Because when I watched the music video, I was kind of let down because everyone went so hard about it. Uh-huh. But then I started imagining... Babylon and queer as folk. Oh God! Rain yeah. on me, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, this is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a club song. It's yeah, not supposed to be true. like listen silently at the office song. <laughs> it's supposed to be a club song. <laughs> it's not supposed to be listen like quietly in quarantine while you're depressed song. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely like go to the trap, go clubbing, do what you have to do. Exactly. Type of type of situation. Um. So Corwin was uh, this guy named George Corwin or back to that. If you, if you haven't realized <laughs> he w- uh, was also responsible for choosing the execution site in Salem for the 19 innocent people. Uh, so he chose this hill, which is like famous now and people, and that's where like most of, or all of the 19 people were hanged. Um, as the trials uh, went on, uh, George Corwin became more and more uh, uh, like, aggressive and gruesome um and even started to torture uh, these people or so it is said it is recorded that corn would even visit the houses of the recently executed and take all of their money and property for himself so Oof. there are rumors that george corwin after realizing that he could do this uh, because this is real like once somebody was accused of witchcraft or whatever people could not take the property because the property belong to like some form of the state or whatever. Uh, but you could take their belongings and possessions within the house and stuff like that. Uh, so rumors uh, uh, go around and legend has it that George Corwin would accuse people of witch- witchcraft just so that he could get this shit from them, just so that he could get uh, money, That's and stuff, which is extremely fucked up. Um, it is also that uh, assumed that, George Corwin would uh, uh, invite people to come to his home, and once they were at his home, he would trap them in his basement and torture oh them, torture them, to so that they would say that they were witches, so that he could do this to them, so that he could get their eventually get his property. Um, he would trap them and put them in his basement, which is now known today as the witch's dungeon. <laughs> oh shit! So that's he, crazy. Yeah, it's fucking like it, that's so cool. I love that. 
Um, so I mean, like the act is sad, but the legend, like you know, the myth and legend is fun. Uh, <laughs> You're like that's sad and all, but I'm having fun. <laughs> but like I'm having fun, so like you know, it happened a while ago. It's chill. Um, <laughs> so it is said that Corwin used two mains of method of torture. Uh, the first one is that he would hang them upside down for days until they passed out, and even oh began to God. bleed from their noses. Um, this usually resulted in anyone agreeing that they. Uh, like be, basically people would just be like, well, yeah, like I'm fucking hanging here for days. My head hurts. I feel like I'm dying. I'm bleeding from my nose. So yes, like I fucking am a witch. Like I sold my soul to Satan, like fucking kill me. Yeah. I don't give a shit at this point. I, I would like immediately say I was a witch. If someone oh, like yeah. hang me from my feet, I'd be like, I'm a witch. Like yeah. within like, tw- like within 30 seconds. I'd be that Pendleton bitch who was like, uh, you know, when everyone's like, are you a witch? And she's like, yeah, like I'm a fucking witch. Like I sold yeah. my soul to the fucking devil. <laughs> I'm like well, I'm like just let me fucking down and like give me some water. I'm a fucking witch. Yeah. <laughs> um so the second main thing of torture and this is how he gets his name is that he would strangle he would literally just literally he would just strangle the fuck out of people until they confessed. Like Oh my god. Like they were usually just like tied to a chair, um like hands tied behind their back in the chair and he would just strangle the fuck out of them as he interrogated and threatened them to like be like are you a fucking witch? And then they'd be like, yeah, I'm a fucking witch because you're strangling him. Um, because of this, he became known as the Strangler. Ooh. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking cool. So um, just to – oh, yeah, uh, blah, blah, blah. So now we're going to go on to a little bit more of a story that involves Joshua Ward, but involves another guy who is important and is important in hauntings and stuff later. So remember him as well as Joshua – or as – sorry, not Joshua Ward. Um, the guy we're talking about, George Corwin. This guy's name is Giles Corey. So Giles Corey was imprisoned after facing countless accusations that detailed his involvement in the supernatural. So these claims range from him uh, escaping imprisonment through supernatural means to a woman, like specifically a girl basically came up and was like, hey, last night a spirit came to me. Um, and rose from the dead to just tell me specifically that Giles Corey was the man who mur- murdered them. <laughs> well, everyone's like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> like, oh, good job. Yeah, he's a, he's a fucking warlock. Um, like, this is like modern day science. I cannot yeah, believe science. that you had a dream and told me that this person mur- I totally believe it. Man, <laughs> if every single dream of mine was fact, the world would be a different Holy place. Holy shit, I'd be scared and enthralled at the same time. Yeah, I'd be turned on and sad <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> um, so with all this quote-unquote evidence against him, Giles Corey was sent to trial. This is all real. Actually, everything I have said is real, minus the fact that um, George Corwin's uh, claims of torture seem to be more myth and legend than fact. But that that's about it. Literally everything else I've said is like factual. Guess who led this motherfucking trial that Giles Corey was, you know put up against or whatever you say officially uh, i don't know drunk is it is it george washington it's george washington exactly <laughs> Chana. it's fucking he, gay ass george washington yeah gay ass george washington <laughs> rolled up and he was like yo you fucking ri- you, ca- you called me you ouija board me here yeah, what's like, up i'm gonna woodwork the fuck out of you like <laughs> yeah. y- your dick's a cherry tree you. and my fucking mouth is my fucking mouth and he woodworked your cherry tree. God damn it. God he motherfucking it. woodworked your cherry tree. Um, so. Podcast title. Podcast title done. <laughs> so on September 16th, 1692, 
George Corwin was ordered by the court. Again, George Corwin is the guy that we just talked about before we talked about Giles Corey. Um, was ordered by the court of Oyer and Terminer. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's, that's amazing. exactly right. To preside over the interrogation under torture of Giles Corey. Um, basically he was put on trial and then pressed to death for refusing to stand trial for witchcraft. So they put him on trial before George, before George Corwin was even involved. And he basically remained silent because he was like, everybody is a fucktard. Like, <laughs> no, like, yeah, yeah, like nobody is like, I did not do any of this shit, but they're just doing this because everyone is bored. I don't know. So he remained silent. And because he remained silent, he is, sp- um, it's a, it was an official thing at the time. If you were accused of witchcraft and you remained silent, your exact punishment was something in Latin, which I can't find. It's it's here somewhere, but we'll get to it. Okay, guys, like a little drunk said this before. We'll get to it. Um, it's basically a Latin that translates to rocks being put up on you. Okay. Oh, I found it. He was condemned to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> he was condemned to Pine Forte enduring? Yeah, he was. Hey! No fucking oh my homo. God. Yeah, li- literally, yeah. Happy, literally. I wish I was pride. condemned to Pine Forte at Dure. Like, fuck yeah, yeah man. Same, same. <laughs> happy same. motherfucking pride, yeah, y'all. Yeah, happy motherfucking pride. Everyone, you- everyone get condemned to Pine Forte at Dure. Yeah, and tell us how it was after in detail. <laughs> um, share your stories at ahhysl.com. <laughs> yes, thank you, Rudy. We go y- one week. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they had, basically, they had 81-years-old Corey, Giles Corey, on his back while they put heavier and heavier weights and stones on top oh. of a plank that was across his body. Jesus. So this is badass. According to some reports... When Corey's, or this isn't badass, the next thing is badass, which is actually really funny because last time we recorded this, I did the exact same thing. That yeah, I did. you did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, results say that, or sorry, results. Um, reports say that uh, during the time that they were putting heavier and heavier weights on top of Giles Corey, basically what would happen is they'd be like, are you a witch? And he wouldn't say anything. And they'd put a weight on and they'd be like, are you a witch? Jesus. And then they would put more weight on and you, you know, that just psych- cycle like that. During all this, after a lot of weight had been put on top of Giles Corey, his tongue lolled out of his mouth um, as a result of so much weight being on his chest. And George Corwin, being the stupid-ass bitch that he is, took a walking stick and then poked his, like, poked, but specifically more than just poked, jammed the tongue back into his mouth. Um, It is said that Giles Corey was quiet the whole time. Um, and that the last round of questioning after being asked for like the thousandth time, are you a witch? He replied, more weight. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> to which cool. he, more weight was put on top of him and he died. There is then another tale that claims that instead of that happening, uh, with his last breath, Giles Corey cursed Sheriff Corwin and then also cursed the town of Salem with his last breath. This one I think has yes. a little bit more quote weight, no pun intended or pun intended, la, bitch. La, la, la. Um, because he not only cursed Giles Corey, but cursed the office of sheriff of the town. Mm-hmm. And there are subsequent sheriffs that had like have 
have befallen like factual misfortune that have been sheriffs of, of Salem and stuff like that afterwards. Um, yeah. So at least accounts have said that. So I didn't really go into it because it seemed a little weird, but you know, whatever. It's it's fun. It's fun and spooky. So we're saying it. Um, okay. So that is the fun little story of Giles Corey. Remember him. And also of course, keep remembering George Corwin because he's a stupid cunt. Okay. So let's move on to this guy named Philip English. So another misrunning George Corwin involves a guy named Philip by the name of Philip English. Um, who was a the wealthiest merchant in Salem, who, along with his wife, Mary, was accused of witchcraft during the Salem Witch Trials. However, he was so rich that he and his wife just bounced and went to New York during the Salem Witch Trials. Aww. Like, we're fucking out, fam. <laughs> like, we're fucking out, bitch. Like, classic rich people stuff. Just, like, we're yeah. gone. Upon his return to Salem, though... He discovered that George Corwin had confiscated his belongings. Remember how I talked about the fact that um, George Corwin would find people that he wanted pe- their belongings and then, uh, you know, frame them for witchcraft and then take their belongings, yeah. shit like that. So he basically right. did that to Philip English. However, he took stuff not just from his home. Giles Corwin took, took stuff from Philip English's, not just his home, but his warehouse, his wharves, and his shops. Um, furious at this, like, you know, shittery, English sued Corwin repeatedly for years in an effort to regain his property. However, George Corwin died of a heart attack on April 12th of nineteen uh, of 1696. So we got a 69 in there um, hey. at the age of 30, just at the age of 30, which is. Wow. Which, yeah. Which is sort of like uh, goes back to and supports the Giles Corey curse of the Sherwin of the sheriff curse Ah, that he did because he died of a heart attack at 30 after his death his burial was delayed by philip english who reportedly stole his body put a linen on it and then delayed his burial until he was like reimbursed for the property that he lost to corwin so he literally like stole his body and then like ransomed it to the family and to the state until he got reimbursed for the property that that George Corwin stole. That's so dramatic. I love it. Yeah, like, isn't like, that fucking cool? Or, or sorry. He's like Oh yeah, go. He's like, bitch, like you can't escape me even with death. Like I will fucking use you to get my shit back, motherfucker. I yeah, love it. It's fucking metal. Like I fucking love it. So, um, sorry, I said linen. It's, it's sorry, I, I messed that up. It, it's something that I learned researching this podcast. There's something called a lien um, that he put on George Corwin's body that I mentioned last time. And I'm sorry, I forgot about it because I just learned that it existed when I researched this. So a lien is basically a form of, of security interest that is granted over an item of property to secure the payment of a debt or performance of some other obligation. So it's just like some basic like Republican business shit that like, we have no idea about because it's like ridiculous. Um, I'm sure it's important to some extent. I'm being you know I'm being like dramatic about it, but, but it's, it's a, a lien. Way to get money. Yeah, it's a way to get money. So I'm sure Republicans are all around that. Um, moving on, he basically put this out on his body because he like basically he's like give me my fucking give me my fucking money. Give me my fucking money. 
<laughs> yeah. Literally. What That's good, exactly what, what he did. Meme. And that Barbie doll that that girl throws is basically dead George body. Corwin's dead body. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. George Corwin's a dick. Way so. easier way to explain it than bring up a weird-ass word called by the name of Leanne. Like, whatever the yeah, fuck that so is. Yeah, so just, like, look at this pop culture <laughs> reference, and you understand it now. Watch that five-second Vine, and then just listen to what we said. <laughs> And you're welcome. Now you're you get it. Wel- not- welcome to Economics 101 yeah, with Corey and with, Chana. Yeah, yeah, featuring vines. <laughs> featuring vines in the Salem Witch Trials. <laughs> um, so, you know George Corwin. We've talked about him this entire fucking time. You know Giles Corey. He's the guy who said, put more weight. And, you know, as yeah, he was getting bitch. killed. You know, as he was convinced of being, or, well, tried for being a warlock. You also know Philip English. He's the guy who's giving me my fucking money uh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and who yeah. had George Corwin's dead body. So let's move on to the hauntings of the Joshua Board House because it involves these three men and another being. George Washington. That we will get to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Like canon, y'all. Real life canon, which is also known as history. <laughs> But who knows now? You know, like, we all know that, like, you know, white people fucked that up. Um, yeah. So, real-life canon, George Washington is a gay ghost in the jo- yeah. the Joshua Ward house. Like, Dad, he's he's yeah. going to woodwork your cherry tree the entire time you're there. <laughs> so, um, let's go through happenings first, because that's what we always do, because those are more basic, bitch. Um, according to the stories of the Joshua Ward house, at least three ghosts occupy this home. George Corwin... Giles Corey. Um, oh, and it's not actually Philip English, it's not a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who is it then? George Washington? It's no, it's the other entity that I alluded to. (laughs) Yes, it's I know who this is. Again, I haven't I haven't reviewed this. (laughs) So sorry to tease you guys, but this guy goes away. (laughs) So Philip English lived a long and healthy life because he fucking you know, give me my fucking money the fuck out of Giles Corey. So, like, yeah, go you know him, what? man. Or he George Corwin, not money. Giles Corey. Yeah, he got his fucking money. He lived a great life. Go Philip English. Yeah, and and now he's a ghost on his own property. Yeah, but not the property we're yeah, talking about today. Exactly. Um, so, uh, many visitors of the home claim that they have felt ghostly hands choking them. Um, oh, other occurrences oh. include knocked over trash cans, cold spots. Doors opening and closing by themselves, books being thrown around the room, and blobs of can this is interesting, blobs of candle wax from an unlit candle just showing the fuck up out of nowhere. That's interesting. That's interesting. That re- so maybe somebody was into like crazy BDSM shit. Mm. That's true. Yeah. That reminds me of um is it Amityville that had the green like sludge that would randomly appear yes. off of walls? Yes. That is and exactly you know what? Well, this this does not this kind of reminds me of it, but it's not nothing really similar. But the, one of my like all time favorite episodes you've ever done is about that one house where like trumpets and yes. shit would randomly fall from the sky. And, and and the guy who would just like matter of factly record that shit. I yeah. love it. <laughs> this like weirdly reminds That's me like of it. That's like the favorite. It's like, oh, and candle wax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like oh, and like today, like after Miss Tuppets left, the trumpet <laughs> fell from the ceiling and started, you know, playing on my cock. It's fun stuff. <laughs> Um, other than candle wax candles would also be bent 
into the shape of an S. Yay. Which I just have no idea. Yeah, it's a Satan. (laughs) Um, Guests would also have sudden unexplained scratches and burns appear on their arms as they visited and lived in the house. And even that happened like in olden times to present day. Let's focus on Giles Corey really quick. Nothing really happens much around Giles Corey, but he is believed to be one of the spirits that haunts the house. He's believed specifically to be a male entity that is has been seen multiple times sitting in a rocking chair by the fireplace, <gasps> fireplace just rocking back and forth, which no. is really weird. Like that's really weird. Conjuring too yeah, much. Yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that fucking shit. Um, Ew. that that's all Giles Corey is really attributed to doing much. Um. But yeah, again, like, I mean, he was a pretty badass bitch and he had like a lot of resilience in his life and was like more weight. So like, that makes sense. He's having, that's, I'm glad he's having a peaceful afterlife. Um, So now let's get to uh, Sheriff uh, George Corwin, AKA the Strangler, who I meant, we've been talking about a good amount of this time. So the Strangler has been cursed to forever wander the very halls that he used to patrol in search of his next victim. He is, he is the supposed culprit of many visitors um, feeling like they are being watched and also being strangled. Um, so many people have felt in in, in like uh, different uh, levels of severity being like slightly choked or like extremely just like choked the fuck out um, oh, yeah. as they're visiting this place. Yeah, like yeah, harder daddy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> So, He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, right? He's like, excuse me? This is my entire thing that I do in the I'm like, afterlife? I'm like, yeah, this is my entire thing yeah. I do in my current life. Yeah, exactly. You're like, Giles, like, fucking Giles Corey, or not Giles Corey, George Corwin, come up with something new. We're, like, into yeah, it Yeah, but be original. <laughs> yeah, we, like, like, destroy him. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I'm like, heart, I'm like, I'm getting an erection. Like, this should not be happening. You should be scared yeah. me. Yeah. Be a better scary villain, George yeah. Corwin. Um, so now, as I said, as said before, this house, the Joshua Ward house, was built on the same lot that George Corwin did all of his unspeakable acts, his torture and shit like that. So some say that instead of Giles Corey stealing um, George Corwin's body and stuff like that, that the family of George Corwin uh, actually buried george corwin's body in the basement of his house to protect it to protect it from giles Corey stealing the body so it is believed by some or many that george corwin's body is still somewhere buried on the lot of the joshua ward house and that is why he is haunting it Ooh, Ooh. spooky so let's get to the most sinister entity of all that is in this joshua ward house so the third entity is not fucking Philip English because Philip English was a badass bitch who lived his life. The third is called the woman in black and is believed that is a female spirit that is a witch that was hung during the Salem witch trials. There are common occurrences of this woman in black in the Joshua Ward house, especially on the upper second floor in the 1980s. Carlson Realty was hosting like a, a realty company that owned the house or would like had an office in the house at the time was hosting a holiday party when one of the employees snapped a quick Polaroid fo- photo um, after like, you know, it coming out and I'm shaking it, you know, just to like, you know, shake, you know, shake, you shake it like it. a yeah. Polaroid picture. Exactly. Shake it. Shake Can it. Describe shake, it perfectly. shake it. Uh, 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 
um, Carlson, uh, or like the the guy who took it, expected to see an image of a light-haired woman that uh, enjoying the party because he just took a picture of a woman just enjoying the party. He what he in fact saw was something entirely different. It was a dark-haired oh woman with sinister features. Ew. Quote, sinister features. And skin that was pale and translucent. Oh, um, God. He said that when he basically was shaking the picture, this 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 disgusting creature showed up much alike, uh, like uh, insidious. It just reminds me of the red, not not the lipstick demon, but the other one that like uh, lady in white or whatever they call it. And insidious is just disgusting. I'm too drunk to be scared right now. But like if I wasn't drunk, I would be scared. I'm currently scared. Yeah. I'm the perfect amount of drunk. I'm, I'm, my oh, titties are scared. I'm, I'm, I'm like barely getting through this at this point. I don't know if you can hear my words slurring, but I'm barely. <laughs> you know, we're all here for you, Corey. We all believe in you. Yeah, just everyone just like send out good vibes in the past. and we maybe Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Change your Facebook profile picture to a picture of Corey. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> and like a fucking like, I don't know, just like a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Um, so he said that when he took this picture and as he watched it developed into something that he wasn't expecting, he felt a sense of doom that he has never felt so strongly in his life. Ew-wee. Um, there's an alternative story to this story. Um, that is that it happened, this happened in 1981 instead of 1980. And it was a woman who was snapping photos of the house that was abandoned at the time. And that when she got to the second floor, she took a picture down the hallway just to literally pick, take a picture of a hallway. And that when it developed, there was a sin, there was a woman with pale, a pale faced and dressed in black with sinister features looking at her in the hallway. But when she had originally taken the picture, nothing was there. I actually think that Ew-y. one is more scary. I like that one a little bit more. They're both freaky in itself. Just, yeah. just like imagine <clears throat> though, we're like at a party and you take a Polaroid because that would and I be have, we, yeah we have like a whole Polaroid wall in my house um and Corey and I are like we always try to take Polaroids at like events and stuff so just imagine we're like I'm like in the kitchen you take a picture of me and you look down and it's not me it's like a woman like in black with pale skin George Washington features. like fucking you in yeah. the face <laughs> yeah imagine well that Scary. would be that would be so creepy I I like it when I like it when um points in horror movies Uh, they have to do it really well though but points there's like parts in horror movies where it's like very crowded and there's like a party going on but somebody experiences experiences something really creepy or scary i love that that's so good but it has Um, to be done really well like you said otherwise you're like lame (laughs) one of the best is like uh david lynch's lost highway it's so good um it is known that this black lady who is also just referred to as the witch only attacks men while leaving them with scratch ah. uh, and leaves them with scratches and welts. It is also believed that some people think that it is her that it does the choking and not the strangler, AKA fucking Sheriff George Corwin. The former employees at the Joshua Ward house will recount tales um, because I, I mentioned over the years, different offices would take different levels of this house and just like occupy the house. Um, so there's uh, recounts of tales of people that when they work there, that they will be sitting in their offices alone working after hours. They would say that even though they knew that they were in fact alone, that they would feel like somebody was there. 
They would catch uh, sideways glances as they looked down the halls and see shadowy figures that would glide past the halls out of the corner of their eyes. Um, they would say that they would like shake this off and go back to work, but that most of the time, most people who said that they would see stuff out of the corner of their eyes and ignore it and go back to work, that they would feel that something was watching them, and they would, when they would look up their, from their computers they would see this witch, this lady in black, oh, glaring back right at them into their eyes. They would, She would either be like at a far wall, glaring back at them, smiling, or that she would be mere inches from their face. Oh, my God. Like, that's that's mortifying. I Like, that would that'd kill me. That'd probably kill me for fright. I don't think I can yeah. handle it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um... People also say they'd feel very ill when they visit the house, um, and they would feel a lot of gloom and sadness and doom when they visit it. So I got two quick stories for you to end off. One is about these two investigators, these like paranormal investigators visiting. And then the first one I got is about a girl alone paranormally oh, investigating the house. No, which is no, like, no, 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 no. Bitch, like, you know, hats off to you because that's I could not do that. Um, yeah, I, if you fuck. literally pointed at a dark wood and told me to walk into it and you would give me anything less than a thousand dollars, I probably would not do it. <laughs> what like, if they're like one thousand and one? I don't know. If they were like if it was like if it was like more than two hundred dollars, I would do it. But if it was less than two hundred dollars, I'd be like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm OK. <laughs> uh, well, like, okay, I'm, Corey, I'll I'm pay- too scared. I'll pay you $200 to go into the scariest location in, located in the no, U.S. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Damn shit. it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It would just depend on the day. Um, or, like, if I was like, could I chug a bottle of champagne? <laughs> That's true. But I would almost make it scarier, would, though, uh, if you were inebriated. No, because then you would... not drunk. Because drunk just, like, detached. Like, if I was high, I would ne- not do anything. Oh, like imagine if someone like gave you like no. a tab of acid and they're oh like good God. luck i'd be like give me a million dollars and then give me a tab of acid and i might still do it but maybe not. yeah i don't know and then i'll go inside and i'll be like it's really scary yeah the whole like, time fuck no fuck that shit so this first story is about the girl who's alone in the house in the joshua ward house and she's doing evp recordings so she's recording shit all day and she doesn't get anything then she finally decides, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to go down to, like, the basement of the home and record shit. And when she does this, uh, she takes up the recordings and then goes back to her office. And when she played back the tape from the Blade no. basement, she immediately, like, froze and her blood ran cold. Um, as she played it back, she distinctly got a rough voice that was growling a phrase and the phrase said i just want to keep you (gasps) so to like illustrate what happened is to get these evps because she was working alone she would have to go room to room and stand in that room alone while she was recording audio oh my god so she hears this i just want to keep you as she, and and thinks back to the 30 minutes to an hour that she was standing alone in a dark basement as something oh. from the ether growled this to her let me yeah fuck in. that fuck that shit fuck that fucking insidious it's like the scariest fucking 
PG like movie ever, and it's PG thirteen. Like fuck that shit. And it, this reminds me of in the Conjuring two when they um on the train. Right uh, when they uh stop Ed Chandler. and Lorraine I'm grab alone. like the tapes. I'm alone, ah, <laughs> well, yeah, it reminds me of that. that. I'll shit. just leave it at that. Fuck that shit. <laughs> so the second story. Um, is a story that sort of a, is like one of the most famous about either the woman black or the sheriff George Corwin, aka the Strangler. Um, so this story is about these two people that were doing EVP slash paranormal investigations of the house, and they split up. The girl went into the main floor and the upper floor, while the guy went into the basement. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna go set up our equipment um, to get ready for the night." And then we're going to meet at, like, the main floor at, like, you know, 2.15 or whatever, you know, something like that. So the girl does sets up her shit, gets down to the main floor, and then she's, like, waiting there. She's like, okay, dude isn't back. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then she said she waited for 15 minutes until she was like, okay, something is happening. I'm scared. He's not back. We literally are the only two here. And we're setting up equipment. He should not be 15 minutes late because he's literally just down these flight of stairs. So she goes down to the basement, gets into the basement. And when she gets there, she hears a gurgling, like struggling, ruffling sound. And she, as she turns on the lights, she sees her friend, this dude in the middle of the basement floor, like reaching up at him, like at her and struggling to breathe like he's clutching oh, his neck with one uh, with one hand and then reaching up at her with the other it turns out that he had said that he went down there and set up his equipment and as he was doing so he felt like somebody like was in the room watching him and felt this like Ew. extreme like negative feeling Ew. um he was Ew. scared but he was like okay like you know i'm doing this i need to set this shit up and he said that moments, minutes before she came down to get him, this entity started pushing him and then grabbing at him and then finally started strangling him. Holy um, shit. Threw him on the ground and then started strangling him to death. And that she literally walked in at the last moment to like basically save him from passing out. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so that is the Joshua Ward house. You can go stay there. I think it's labeled as a like hotel boutique. I don't know what that exactly means. It's not open for the public to walk around, but I think you there are a few rooms that you can like uh like you know sign up to be in. I book. And I guess you would we're say we're gonna do that. We're gonna book a fucking Yeah, room. I would That's actually really fun. like to stay here. That'd be really fun. I'd love it. Yay. So that is Good the segment. Joshua Ward house. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's jump into my 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 uh I almost said supernatural segment, my true crime segment. Your supernatural. Are you segment. ready? Yes. Let's do this. A woman drove past a field near a 7-Eleven and threw a penis out of her window. Oh my god. Who is this woman? Whose penis is this? How? Why? My so penis. many questions. This is the story of John and Lorena Bobbitt. So John Bobbitt grew up in Niagara Falls. His mom was a drug addict. Father just dipped right when he was born. When he was three, his aunt got full custody of John and his brother. His aunt already had three kids, but all of the kids were really young. Um, so they pretty much grew up together, and they had a brotherly bond. Like, they felt like brothers, not just cousins. Um, he remembers this time as a really positive and a loving childhood. When he was 18, he joined the Marines, and it wasn't long until... Um, he met Lorena. 
Lorena was born in Ecuador and raised in Venezuela in 1969, and she had two siblings. Her father worked as a dental technician, and the family had a middle-class lifestyle. Um, she always loved the idea of the United States and always wanted to visit. Um, she said she always viewed America as getting an opportunity to do something with huge with her life. Um, she was just completely infatuated with the American dream, um, especially she would grow up watching like American um, television shows or movies that really romanticize America and like the American dream. Yeah. So she she wanted it. She craved it. She really wanted her own version of an American dream. Um, after a trip to the U.S. as a gift for her quinceanera, Lorena wanted to live in the country. So in 1987, when she was 18, she obtained a student visa. Um, she that At this time, she went to community college in Virginia. About a year later, Lorena and John met at a singles event. Um, Lorena was immediately smitten by John. He was this all-American Marine. He represented everything she's always wanted, and John was immediately attracted to her, and he gave her his number. The two started dating. During this time, he was like an absolute dream boyfriend. He was so sweet to her. He helped her learn English. You know, he brought her flowers, took her shopping, you know, just showered her with love and, like, praise, and he just absolutely adored her. The two quickly fell in love. They started talking about marriage. Um, Lorena's visit was about to expire, or sorry, Lorena's visa was just about to expire, um, and he still hadn't officially proposed, so she took it upon herself and proposed to him. Um, he said yes, and the two got married on June 18, 1989. Um, this is when Lorena was 20 and John was 22. All okay, right. damn. It was a lot of information. Now let's get into the, the awful stuff. So the the first month of the marriage was great. Like, you know, it was beautiful. It was exactly how you imagine a marriage is supposed to be. But after about a month, everything started going south. One night after being out at a bar, um, the two were driving back to their apartment and John started just swerving and speeding and just driving like a fucking maniac. Lorena got really scared and she begged him to stop or at least slow down. And he just looked at her and he just fucking punched her. Just punched her right in the fucking Jesus. face. Here was this man that she loved with all of her heart, her American dream, and he just fucking punched her. And this was the event that started four years of alleged violent abuse. Oh now, the reason God. I'm saying alleged is because legally the, the abuse can or cannot be proved. But based off of the interviews I watched and my research, like he fucking abused the shit out of her. Like he was an awful, awful, awful man. Yeah. Now, after John finished his time in the Marines, um, he had a really hard time holding down a job. Lorena was a full-time nanny, um, and she quickly became like the sole breadwinner for their household. Um, the person she nannied for was a woman named Jan um, Basuti. Um, this woman, um, she owned a nail salon, and she like loved Lorena. The two quickly became friends, and she ended up hiring Lorena as a nail tech. Uh, as the two became like closer and closer, Lorena would often confide in her um, about some of the abuse that was happening. Jana was always there for her friend. She always gave her a shoulder to cry on. Um, when she would talk to Lorena about leaving him, Lorena would just tell her that she loved him so much. 
Um, she really wanted to make it work and that he was always promising that they, that he would get better. Like he knew what he was doing is wrong. I promise I'm going to get better. I love you so much. I want to make this work. I'm going to get better for you, for us, for our future family. Damn. Classic abuse. Yeah. J- Jana, sh- which I keep on almost saying my own name, but Jana was really successful. She had. Wait, Jana, I thought that was your name. Yeah, so many C-H-A-N-A. people think my name is Jana. That, that spells Jana. That totally 100% spells Jana. Yeah. My mom pronounced it incorrectly. Yeah, oh my God. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jana was really successful. She had like this huge house, multiple fancy cars. She had a boat, you know, had all these like dank, like these dope ass clothes. Like she, she was living the dream. And Lorena looked at Jana's life and she realized this is the American dream. This is what I want. So she pushed John to work. She pushed him harder and harder because she just wanted to build this dream that she, that she had, this American dream. Um, the two moved into a luxury apartment. They bought cars. They bought a bunch of electronics, clothes, etc. The problem is John couldn't really hold down a job. So they couldn't really afford this life that they were building. And the two constantly fought about money. And this only escalated the abuse. So soon, the physical abuse that she was enduring became mental and emotional abuse and then sexual abuse. John would regularly rape Lorena, and he actually would brag to his friends about how he could have sex with her whenever he wanted to. When he wasn't raping or beating her, he would cheat on her. And then when she would accuse him of cheating, he would flip on her, call her crazy, and then use that as an excuse to beat the fuck out of her. Damn. Yikes. In interviews, uh, and I and I I've I've watched a couple interviews and they're all like so awful to yeah, watch because yeah. he's such a piece of shit. He tries to to really spin and like change the narrative to, you know, her being that crazy jealous girlfriend, um, you know, who initiated the physical abuse because she was crazy, like oh she my. would slap me and like, punch me and blah blah blah. The so audacity to, to think it. that that's like an excuse. Right? So he was like, well, she was crazy. She was crazy jealous. She'd accuse me of cheating. She would slap me. But in reality, like, he was a total piece of shit who regularly, like, daily, mentally, sexually, and physically abused her, destroying every ounce of self-confidence that she had along the way and manipulated her. I mean, if you look at what abusers typically do to their victims, he does it. Like, at one point in one of the interviews that I watched, he was asked point blank if he beat Lorena, and he tried to flip it and said, well, he would punch him out of jealousy, and sometimes he would fight back. He'd always turn to say, I would fight back. And then he went on to say, well, she never went to the hospital. She never showed people her bruises. What? She never got seriously hurt. So it's because of all those things. How could she prove that she was ever even abused? Oh, my God. He then maintains that he never hit her, but he would say, yeah, well, sometimes I would push her, have to do what was necessary to restrain her whenever she got crazy. It was her fault. Yeah. I fucking roll piece of shit, John Bobbitt. Now, Lorena, throughout all of this, was still the only one supplying a steady income, which always, you know, had a whole thing to in itself because he would just abuse her because of that so they were struggling obviously he wasn't helping so she started stealing she stole a couple dresses from nordstrom's um that and she got caught and she had to do a few months of community service 
But then she started embezzling money from the nail salon. And remember, her best friend was the nail salon owner. She stole over $7,000 from the salon. And when Jana, her best friend and the owner, found out, Jana decided to be nice. And she was like, you know what? I love Lorena. And like, what? Like, she obviously needed this money. Her husband's an abusive piece of shit. Instead of going to the police and throwing Lorena in jail forever, I'm just going to have Lorena pay it back. So she spoke with Lorena and John, and they set up this whole plan um, to pay the nail salon back with interest. Now, when John got involved, he lost his goddamn mind, and he viciously attacked her. During these attacks, he would tell her that the police wouldn't believe her because they were married, that her green card would be revoked if she left him. He even said, and I have in quotes of what he said, I will find you whether we're divorced or separated, and wherever I find you, I'll have sex with you whenever I want. Uh, Wow. At one point, um, Lorena got pregnant, but John didn't want the baby, so he forced her to have an abortion. And Lorena, she was a devout Catholic girl. So having an abortion is so against everything that's like Catholic. Uh It was horrific down to her core, and she desperately wanted to have the baby desperately and she also thought maybe this baby would be the reason why the abuse would stop because i'm pregnant and there's a child now that's so tragic and he forced her to have an abortion and he he just he forced her and he just Mm. took away that one chance of happiness that she had just like he took away everything else from her jenna i'm I'm so glad i'm so glad you go second and i'm like drunk i know because mine is (laughs) such a downer (laughs) <laughs> Mine is such a fucking bummer. I never have a fun one. It's always like, and then this happens. So, happened. yeah, like, the input from my ears is, like, tragedy, sadness, horrific shit. And then my brain's like, you're drunk, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my life right yeah, now. Holy shit. <laughs> so time continued, and police were called a half dozen times. At one point, John was actually charged with assault and battery but the charges were dismissed after he agreed to go to therapy. Because, you know, classic white boy. He beats the shit out of his wife oh and rapes God. her regularly. And he's like, oh, well, I'll just go to therapy. And they're like, great. Well, like, newsflash, he, like, never went to therapy. But, like, did anyone check up on that? No. Because no. because he's because, – because fuck the system. Now, as the summer of 93 approached, Lorena was getting noticeably more afraid and more, and she had more bruises than she normally did. Um, she, would show up, she would show up to the nail salon for work. She would just look awful. And she would be shaking so hard that she couldn't even do anyone's nails. Um, now, she was like one of the best nail techs at the nail salon, and she never had complaints. So when Jana started getting regular complaints about Lorena, it was weird because it was very unlike Lorena. And then she had bruises. She was shaking all the time. Like something was clearly off. Lorena even went to her neighbor to talk about everything that was happening. And the neighbor was like, hey, I conveniently have these printed out articles of rape and domestic abuse. Let me give them to you because I think these might help you. So the neighbor gave Lorena all of these articles on domestic abuse and rape. Um, now, on June 21st, 1993, um, Lorena began the process of filing for a protective order against John. So it was getting serious. It's escalating. And then on June 23rd, 1993, John went out with a friend, got white girl wasted at a bunch of bars. 
Lorena was home reading the articles that her neighbor gave her. She fell asleep with the articles about domestic abuse and rape in her hand, clutching the articles reading about rape, marital rape, marital abuse. And she just woke up to the door slamming and John crawled into the bed and started molesting her. She was saying no and slapping his hand away and begging him not to have sex with her. She didn't want to have sex, and he grabbed her panties, her underwear, and he ripped them off of her, and he proceeded to rape her. According to him in interviews, she's the one that instigated the sex that night, not him. And he was the one saying no. So he's trying to claim that she was the the rapist in this situation. All while this was happening, the rape articles still in her hand. After he was done raping her, he flipped over, went to sleep, and she got up and went to the kitchen to get some water. And all of a sudden, all of her emotions from the fa- from the past four years of being viciously abused came out, and she fucking snapped. She looked at that eight-inch carving knife on the kitchen counter. She grabbed it and went up to their bedroom. She crawled in bed, threw back the covers, and looked at the thing that caused her the most pain his penis and in one sweep one sweep oh my god she sliced off his penis he woke up to blood shooting <laughs> out of his gaping hole and lorena Fuck. grabbed the penis and the bloody knife and sprinted out of the house john went to his friend who was sleeping downstairs on the couch and told him to take him to the hospital because his penis was gone his friend was like what the actual bro fuck? bro my penis is gone bro my wife just cut off my penis <laughs> The the friend woke up, was like, what the actual fuck? Rushed John to the hospital. Meanwhile, while this was happening, Lorena was driving to Jana's house in a full-blown panic with a penis in one hand and a bloody <laughs> knife in the other. She was having a hard time steering because, you know, her hands were full. Same, girl. Same. So as she was driving, like, next to a 7-Eleven, she said, fuck it, and just hucked the penis outside of the window as hard as she could. And then oh got them drove to Jana's house. She got to Jana's house, knocked on the door, was completely <laughs> the penis, hysterical. like, makes a fucking R2-D2 noise. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> Lands in, like, a muddy pile next to 7-Eleven. Lorena rolls up to Jana. Jana was like, what the fuck is going on? You're hysterical. Lorena was like, I just cut off John's penis. And Jana was like, what? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, where is the penis? And Lorena was like, it's next to the 7-Eleven. And Jana was like, okay, she we like, have to call. Th- fucking quadruple takes. Yeah. She's like, we have to call the police and let them know where the penis is and, like, that you're here and, like, the whole situation. And Lorena agrees. So they call the police. They explain to them exactly what happened. And they tell them, like, the general area of where they can find the penis. Um, a police officer um, went and picked up Lorena. They brought her to a hospital and they had a rape kit examination um, while the other officers were searching for the penis. Aww. So after some time searching next to the 7-Eleven, the officer, one of the officers located the penis and they grabbed it and they're like, okay, well, how do we transport this to the hospital? And they realized they were next to a 7-Eleven. So they're like, oh my God, 7-Eleven <laughs> sells hot dogs. So they have hot dog boxes. So they like went to Seven Eleven, got a hot dog <laughs> so, box. Like enter, enter like Seven Eleven, three a.m. Like yeah, Pepe Davis, high and I are just like high as fuck. 
like at this Seven Eleven looking at donuts, and then yeah. enter these policemen. <laughs> but like scrambling, looking for a hot dog box. They get a hot dog box, <laughs> fill it up with like ice and like Slurpee, and they then they drop a penis inside the box, close it up, <laughs> take the hot dog box penis to the hospital, and after a nine and a half hour surgery the surgeon was successfully able to reattach the penis to John Bobbitt. It only took about two weeks before the penis was fully functional again, and he was able to have an erection. So news of Lorena's actions resulted in a whirlwind of media attention. Everyone heard the story. And unfortunately, the story became a tabloid sensation and the focal point for comedians. Howard Stern, SNL, etc. They all made jokes about, you know, the crazy women getting so mad that she cut off her husband's penis. Like, the media completely ignored the abuse that she endured that led to that event. And they just wrote her off as a crazy Latina girl. Women's rights activist groups, however, stood by her side. And they used Lorena's story as a way to bring more awareness of marital rape and domestic violence. And at this time, marital rape only recently had become a crime in all 50 states, and it was nearly impossible to prove in Virginia. This is where they were. So in November of 93, when John Bobbitt was charged with marital rape and domestic abuse, it was not a surprise at all that he was acquitted. He basically flipped the whole thing on her and used the, we're married so it wasn't rape excuse, and it worked. So he got off with, you know, after four years of sexually and mentally and physically abusing a woman, he it, it was just acquitted. He was acquitted because they're married. That's why. Because he's a piece of shit. Because he's a he's a white straight male. Because boys and he's will a, be boys. Because boys will be boys. And like, yeah. And then in January of ninety four, um, Lorena was charged with malicious wounding. During this trial, Lorena testified that her husband emotionally, sexually, and physically abused her throughout their entire marriage. Her defense team argued that she had been tormented for by years of abuse and driven temporarily insane, and that, and that in slicing off her husband's penis, she had been subject to, in quotes, irresistible impulse. John, however, denied the allegations of, of abuse. Um, he did this when he was cross-examined by uh, her defense attorney, and then in his statements... Hold on, let me re-say that. John denied the allegations of abuse, however, when he was cross-examined by um, her lawyers. His statements often conflicted with known facts, which severely weakened the prosecution's case. So he was, like, a shit show on, on the stand. Just constantly contradicting himself and, like, clearly was pointing to abuse for himself. And if you just watch the interviews, like, he... Like, it's it's very obvious that he, <laughs> that he abused her and she... He's, he's not a good liar, like... He's just does all the classic lies, you know, tries to flip it, tries to like deflect, tries to, you know, spin, try like looks, you know, to the left, just very he's just obviously a liar. He's a bad guy. Now they had he's multiple witnesses. Girl. He's a mean girl. Um, they had multiple witnesses that they called to testify. Some of the witnesses testified that Lorena had appeared with bruises and stated that John had been hitting and shoving his wife. Friends of John under oath even said that they that they heard him express a liking for forced sex, aka oh my rape. God. Um, an expert witness testified in quotes that he had mentally and physically battered her, that the abuse is escalating, and that by nineteen ninety three she lived in a constant fear of him. 
And another witness testified that, in quotes, Lorena believed and was immobilized by John's threat. I will find you whether we're divorced or separated. And wherever I find you, I'll have sex with you whenever I want to. So throughout all of the like multiple, multiple testimonies and by John himself, it became abundantly clear that John did abuse the fuck out of her. However, he was already acquitted and this wasn't a trial for him. This was a trial for Lorena. So after everyone's final statements, the jury went back to deliberate while and while all this was going on, the while all this was going on inside of the courtroom, the outside of the courtroom was a media circus. One media stand gave out 7-Eleven hot dogs. One <laughs> sold chocolate penises. People were wearing T-shirts with penis jokes on them. Um, and then, on the other hand, you had people protesting that, that Lorena was a liar and saying, you know, she's just a crazy woman. Just like, you know, white incels blaming the women yeah. for her abuse. And then on the other side, you had all of these multiple huge women's activist groups there to support Lorena and shed light of the realities of marital rape and domestic abuse. And you also had the entire like Hispanic community um, in Virginia come out and support Lorena as well. Um, so you had, it was like a, it was a circus outside. Yeah, so you had people making shit. jokes. Yeah. You had people against Lorena and for John. You had people against John for Lorena. You had friends and family. You had, like, it was like so much going on outside of the courtroom. It was, it was wild. Now, inside the courtroom, it only took the jury about seven hours of deliberation to, to come to a conclusion. Um, the jury found Lorena not guilty due to insanity, causing an irresistible impulse to sexually wound John. Um, as a result, she would not be held liable for her actions. And under state law, the judge ordered her to undergo a 45-day evaluation period at the Central State Hospital located in Petersburg, Virginia, after which she would be released. Good. Her verdict was a motherfucking controversy because this whole trial created like a battle of the sexes mentality because men uh, for the for the majority, like men sided with John and called Lorena crazy and a liar while women sided with Lorena and they spoke about uh, abuse and how it yeah. happens. And so like her verdict was just a huge shit show in itself and it just sparked all these in very insane and intense debate like media debates about whether or not um she should have been given a bigger sentence or not but like yeah she like this was obviously the correct sentence she was not guilty she went through years and years and years and years years of abuse that none of us can even imagine so fuck you if you think otherwise and to all of those people on the youtube comments with uh, that i uh, read while i watched a lot of the interviews uh, fuck you you guys are all bad people life. get a fucking yeah. life get a get a fucking life you motherfucking yeah. assholes because she was abused and fuck you if you're trying to blame her in this situation because because fuck you anyways let's <laughs> go through the you. the aftermath so lorena became a u.s citizen in the summer of 94 um she divorced john um, that same year and it finalized in 95 she decided to continue living in Manassas, and when asked why by the New York Times in 2019, she responded, I live here. This is my home. Why should he have the last laugh? Which I think is really awesome and brave of her to say something like that. Yeah, ma'am. Um, she went back to school in the early 2000s, and she met David Bellinger. Um, the two were friends before a romantic relationship developed. Um, they fell in love, and they ended up having a daughter. Her name's Olivia, and she was born in 2005. Though Lorena has sometimes referred to him, um, to David Bellinger as her husband, and um, they never got married. 
Uh, but they've been partners ever since. Like they're still together to this very day, still very much in love. And then in 2007, Lorena created the Red Wagon Foundation, which is an organization to help victims of domestic violence and their children and to raise awareness of this issue. Um, she explained that she didn't know of an option to seek refuge in a shelter during her marriage. And she also revealed that as an immigrant woman, um, she was often too scared to call the police for help. And her abusive husband always threatened that he could have the police detain me and deport her back to the country. So this whole organization is to help victims of domestic abuse, but, is, but specifically immigrants um, who experience this because that is very common. And I go through that w when I did my domestic abuse spooky scoops, like, I don't know, 15 episodes ago. And then in more recent times, um, there was a docuseries on Amazon Prime produced by Jordan Peele um, that goes over um, her – hold on. In most recent times, there was a docuseries on Amazon Prime produced by Jordan Peele that goes over how her claims of domestic violence had been swept aside as the media just focused on John's penis. Because yeah. in the 90s, his penis was more important than the years of rape and abuse that she endured. Thank you, the 90s. Um, and then 90s. as of last week, um, there was actually a Lifetime movie that Lorena produced about her entire experience. Um, so that's Lorena's aftermath. Now let's talk about John. So good old piece of shit John. He went on to make a few pornos. Um, in September of 94, he appeared in the adult, for the adult film John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. Um, he made about a million dollars from that movie. In 96, and he appeared Frank in... And Penis. Yes, he appeared in Frank and Penis. I've seen Which it. Corey has seen. I've seen which I, Which I have not. After that, um, he went on a 40-city tour to make appearances on talk shows and basically ride this weird f fame that he got from the trial and from his pornos. Um, during this time, he was charged with beating Christina Elliott, who was a 21-year-old exotic dancer that he met in Vegas on a publicity, store, on publicity tour. And then on August 31st of 94, um, he was convicted of battery, and he was actually sentenced to only 15 days in jail. And the judge said the reason why he was given that sentence is because he believed that John just had an attitude problem and the attitude problem what was the caused by drinking fuck that judge boys will be boys he needs Ugh. to yeah that good judge needs to lose his license right uh after that John tried to to make a rock band that failed he tried selling autographed steak knives that also Jesus. failed in August of 98 he tried to become a professional wrestler that failed after loser. that he moved to vegas he worked as a bartender limo driver mover pizza delivery guy tow truck operator just a lot of odd jobs um and then in 99 he received probation for his role in a theft um in 03 he was sentenced to prison for violating his probation after he was arrested on battery char charges involving his then wife joanna farrell oh he was then again arrested twice on more charges of battery against his then wife joanna farrell in 2004 oh that same year he filed for divorce under the name john w farrell which he's been using um during his marriage with joanna farrell um, in 2014 flash forwarding 10 years he was severely injured when he broke his neck <laughs> in a car accident in Buffalo, New York. Don't feel bad for you. Bye. Bye. And then nowadays he is looking for buried treasure and he believes that when he finds it, he's going to be invited to the White House to meet Trump because oh no God. surprise there. He is a Trump fanatic. No he's all about Trump. Whatsoever. 
And yeah, that's that piece of shit, John. You know, Trump supporting, piece of shit. wife beating, rapist, awful piece of shit, John. Now, all of these events that happened, they're like it affected a lot with like media and pop culture. This specific event was mentioned in movies like Fight Club. It was mentioned in an Eminem song and SNL skits. Like the names of John and Lorena Bobbitt eventually became synonymous for penis removal. Episodes of Bobbitt Mania or Copycat Crimes were reported, although the incidents were generally self-inflicted wounds or accidents. The terms Bobbittized punishment. Wait. Yeah. You accidentally cut your penis off? But then that's called the Bobbitt. Like what that's the like fuck? they're like the last name became synonymous with penis removal. And the terms Bobbittized bob, punishment and Bobbit procedure gained social recognition. And the Bobbit worm, which attacks its prey with scissor-like jaws, is named after the case. So this case, like, affected a lot in the media. Um, this was, like, the early 90s. This is, you know, way before the Me Too movement. And so, yeah, like, the, the main thing to get from this case is this woman was violently abused for years and years. And the media, instead of focusing on the abuse that she endured, focused on his penis. Because at that time... His penis was more important than her. And that is the problem with this case. And that's why. Fuck you, John Bobbitt. Fuck you, people fuck who you, John Bobbitt. that are that side with him. That's all. That is yeah, the case John. of Lorena and John Bobbitt. Fun. Interesting. So, so anyways, Corey, how was your sex life? Sex life is... Good. Had uh was with uh Carl this weekend, so had sex, broke that. Yay! <laughs> that he, he broke his two month spell, y'all. That like twelve week, ten weeks, you know, shit show. <laughs> Woo! That was good. Carl and I went up this past weekend to a like writer's retreat, like mountain retreat cabin and had fun, did that really fun we saw moose uh he had like he was very like golden boy like lucky we saw a moose um saw deer and like a bunch of birds flying around all over the place and then at one time even saw a whole like somebody was herding cattle which is really pretty it's like really nice to see while we like were going to the grocery store because we were in the boonies of utah um this is really cool um before we get to movie other than that, I would like to say I have watched The Outsider. Everyone go watch The Outsider. It's on Hulu. It's based on Stephen King, uh, Stephen King novel. It, so it's just a 10-episode uh, 10 miniseries, which they actually think because it did so well and because it is so good, they might make a sequel to it, which is awesome. Um, go watch it. It's really good. It's just very Stephen King. It's like... You know, a crime happens in a small town to a small boy and it just tears it apart. And these it's like semi true, true detective esque or, you know, with like supernatural stuff twisted. And it's really cool. Go Fun. watch it. Yeah. Just like really quick for me personally, I would say it's really quick. Like we know what's going on in the world and we super extremely support Black Lives Matter and that whole movement. We're going yeah. to uh, protest tomorrow. Like, nothing else needs to be said about that because you'll know what it is. If you need more information, I'm sure you can go online and figure it out. You have friends posting stuff, I'm sure. Please donate. Please help and support uh, Black Lives Matter. And 
your friends, colleagues, neighbors, and and people of color that you know. Just like support them. Um, that is extremely important to uh, them. Extremely important to us that you would do that. Um, that's all I'm gonna say before we get to the movie. What do you? What is yeah. your sex life, Chenna? Uh, well, my mom was here for the past week. That yes. was life changing, super fun. We haven't seen each other since October. So she's moving out to Utah soon. So she flew out this week so we could look at apartments in, in Salt Lake and find some neighborhoods that she would, um, you know, jive with. And she, we did. And it was a really fun, super amazing week. She met my baby s'mores. S'mores Aww. just completely fell in love with her. Simone remembered my mom and like snuggled my mom so hard. And especially uh, my mom's cat, Miss Baby, um, passed away the two day two nights before my mom flew here. Um, she actually died the same way that Toulouse died. Um, oh, so it was shit. very traumatic for my mom. Uh, my mom, it was spread out over like the span of an hour and a half, opposed to mine was thirty seconds. So my mom was able to like say goodbye to Miss Baby and stuff. But still, it was very traumatic because like one minute her cat was fine, and the next minute they were driving to a pet ER, and suddenly their cat passed away. So my mom was feeling really sad at the beginning of her trip, but little nurse Simone comforted my mom so much and was just there just like how she was for me when Toulouse died. And then s'mores was just all over my mom. So my mom had like a really good trip and it was really good for her. And the cats just had so much fun and they've been so sad. Like they both just been sleeping in her room, just waiting for her. It's very depressing now. I'm like, oh man, Jordan and I got replaced so fast for my mom. (laughs) But it was, it was a really fun week. Um, other than that, well, the day my mom left, Jordan and I last night had a great, mind-boggling, awesome sex. Yes. You know, we didn't have sex for the whole week, so my mom was in the next room. I just couldn't do it. Um, so last night was super fun, and yeah, that's pretty much it for the stuff that's going on Fuck with yeah. me. Okay, now let's well, talk let's, about Candyman. Yeah, let's talk about fucking Candyman because we've like been wanting to talk about the fucking movie. I love it. Yeah, it's I... so fucking good. Uh, so, Chana, you go first. Okay. Uh, see, now I almost wish we talked about this earlier because I'm a little tired now. But the first thing I noticed right off the bat about Candyman is that I have listened or at least heard that soundtrack before. Like, a lot of the songs that they were playing, I was uh-huh. like, oh, like, I recognize this. And that was interesting for me because I've never seen the movie before. But I'm, I'm guessing that maybe the score was like famous famous enough that i've heard it referenced or have heard it in like uh-huh. either documentaries or something it was just interesting because i i've never seen it before and i knew every single like music or song that was coming up i was like oh i've heard this like ooh, this is so fun You're like fuck yeah and i like i loved every minute of the movie i was so into because it felt like true crime it felt like like girl interrupted it felt like a slasher movie like it had so many great elements to it like i just was completely in love with the movie i loved every second of it it was awesome and i loved the ending yeah so much so <laughs> i was like fuck you trevor the whole time right fuck you so. fucking bitch um i'm so glad you mentioned the soundtrack because within like five minutes i turned it to chris and i was like oh my god this soundtrack is amazing like this is perfect. yeah we even like talked yeah. about how we're like it's so be- it's so refreshing to watch a movie and then like within the first minute to three minutes you're like this is a good movie like there is like there's direction there is a vision you can tell there's a vision for this entire like stylized film it's just perfect i i I love every fucking moment of this film 
it didn't even really feel like a a horror movie to me. It just felt like a really great yeah. film to me, yeah. which was really fun to experience. Because a lot of the time, like horror movies have like some like horror movie element where you're like, okay, but like that whole movie, <laughs> I was like, oh, like I feel like I'm watching like an actual like a really well done film. Like this was a really like well done across the board movie. Like I I had so much fun. I loved it. Ten out of ten. Yeah, um, this, like, so I'm, like, big in horror. I watch a lot of horror documentaries and shit, and so I know this film has existed forever. But I just haven't, you know, I I like to wait. Like, there's a billion films out there, and there's a ton of great films out there. So I like to wait until, like, I want to watch a film. So, like, for example, I haven't seen, like, 2008. Sorry, I hit the mic. Like, I haven't seen 2008's There Will Be Blood, but I know that's, like, one of the best films ever by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, but like, I haven't seen it yet because I want to like wake up and be like, today is the day that I watched this film, you know? Um, so I haven't watched Candyman yet, but I always know it's such a great film. So yeah, during that, I was like, I know this is a great film and it's one of like the best film, best horror films of the nineties along with silence of the lambs. And the entire time I was watching this, I was like, this feels exactly like the same uh, tone of Silence of the Lambs, where like Chana just explained it perfectly, where you're like, this doesn't feel like a horror movie, but at the same time it is a horror movie, but it doesn't have like the same beats or tropes as a horror movie necessarily. Yeah. Like you could argue that the main character is a final girl, and I would argue that to a point, like definitely I would argue that, that she is a final yeah. girl. Um, but then like that whole twist at the end... Like, I don't want to give stuff away. Like, I mean, we were talking about it, so, like, spoilers. We're going into spoilers. Like, you've had two weeks to watch this. If you don't, just go, like, just, like, stop listening because it's on Netflix and you should go watch it. And it's one of the best horror films of the 90s, period. Well, and um, I think, like, with with ongoing, like, movie of the month, like, we will be going through spoilers. That's true. kind of the point. Oh, yeah, very true. Um, So, yeah, like, when she gives in to the, like, quote-unquote, the evil or the darkness, like, that's, it's so different from most other most other horror films and especially from other final girls that you see like it is it's so good like just when she becomes she becomes the new urban legend and just like transcends basically there's this whole new thing of like we've talked about like elevated horror we've mentioned it before and people have talking been talking about it since like the witch and it follows comes out where it's like a more and especially like hereditary where it's like this more drama focused horror um, that's like very pot, like, you know, very well done and shit. Like, you know, it's not just focused on gore and monsters. Yeah. Um, there's this new thing that uh, on top of it, that especially with Ari Aster um, who did hereditary and who did um, uh, what's it called? Midsummer, Midsummer. Um, it's called transcendental horror where the whole thing is like it is one an elevated horror um but two it's like this horror film where it focuses on the main character and the like transcendence of the main character where them going through the horrific events that the horror entails in the film transcends them to a higher state of being or like a higher Mm. state of realization and so this is like a definite proto or you could say like one of the first like transcendental horrors. Like it's so totally like it's so beautiful. Oh my! Like the whole time I was like yelling at the screen and yelling at Chris. I was like, no, like they're doing this. This is awesome. Like no, like I'm yeah. so excited. 
Yeah, every, like every part was so it was just so fun. And like yeah, I, I, I had so much fun. Like I was just sitting on my couch like eating every single second up because I <laughs> yeah. loved it. It was and so I was like, good. I'm so pumped that this is the movie that was that was chosen. So thank you, Instagram followers, for choosing this movie. Yeah, because I because yeah, wait, weren't we gonna choose it. us two voted for the other one, right? We both, yeah, we voted for the other one. Yeah, what was it? I don't even remember. Fuck. I don't remember. I don't even give a fuck anymore <laughs> because Candyman was so good. <laughs> it's so good, yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, and it had like, yeah, it it was. I'm sorry. I'm so drunk. I'm so tired now. So yeah, my, I had so many thoughts that I wanted to say, but now I can't definitely. remember so many. Yeah, of them. there's like a, definitely a whole other side of like racial uh, commentary that it, that it has and stuff like that. And there's a good like, uh, there's a good split between like um, inappropriate representation of black characters and good representation of black characters. That I think both uh, both arguments are valid for the film. We don't need to get into that because we're both whites you know like we're both white people and we don't need to like dive deep into that but like definitely look up stuff and articles online about that because it has some really good like insights to both positive and negative comments on the like racial topics of this film yeah overall i love i loved it like if you like go watch it like you should have already seen it by now because you've had two weeks but if not like go Go watch it it's free yeah it's free it's on netflix right this very second you all have netflix we know that but it was it was so well done, and it really I it did remind me a lot of Science of the Lambs because they it, it just felt so ahead of its time, and especially like it's a horror movie in the '90s. Like the '90s had interesting movies, and like '90s horror, like it was interesting. But Silence of the Lambs and Kenny Man are definitely two like great like, examples yeah. of like the best horror movies that came out in the '90s, and Kenny Man was probably now like. It might even be in my top ten horror movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I would, would watch agree. it again and again and again. Like I would, I would rewatch yeah. that movie literally as many times. Like, the as, gore, as like wants. aside from the smart stuff that we're talking about, just like the gore and the scares are so good, and the yeah. gore is so gritty and intent and intense. Like it, it made me like Ugh. look away a couple times. Like it was really good. Yeah, and like when she, like spoilers, but we already said we're doing all spoilers. Like when she murdered or when her friend got murdered, Bernadette got murdered. I I was like sitting there like, oh, fuck, they're going there. Like they're going to like Candyman's going to yeah. pin this murder on whatever the girl's name is. And uh, I was like so invested in that. So then when they showed like Bernadette's body, I was like, because oh, like, I didn't really expect them to show like that, like how intense it was. And I was like, oh my god, like they're oh, this is so fun. This yeah, is so crazy. we were the whole time they Chris go and there I, with the gore. Yeah, the it's whole so time Chris fun. and I were trying to decide like, okay, like what kind of movie is this going to be? What like template of a story is this going to file follow? And it's like, no, this story's just like, hey. You, the viewer, are dropped into a story about a girl that drops into a real-life urban legend that happens to be real, and her life gets fucked up. Yeah. And, like... And that's that's yeah. a great point, because the entire time I watched it, I kept on trying to think, how is this movie going to end? And I couldn't pinpoint Yeah. It. And like, that's what yeah. was so interesting for me and why I think I loved it so much, because... 99% of horror movies, you know exactly how it's going to end. They're going to defeat the demon. They're yeah. going to save the day. Everything's going to be fine. They're going to smile and hug at the end. But this is the only horror movie where I was like, she can't win. Every single thing is against her. She yeah. won't be able to or win. Or she might so as how well. Is she... 
yeah, so how is she going to overcome this and how is she going to, like, what's going to happen to her? Because, like, the entire time I, like, I could not pinpoint what the ending was going to be. And when the ending happened, it was an idea that crossed my mind, but it wasn't a for sure thing that I thought was going to happen. So that's what was so fun for me is I was really, like, surprised and pumped about the ending because they did a really good job at making you think the entire time. Where is this going to go? How is this going to end? What is she going to do? Like, what the fuck's going to happen? And the twist at the end is so fun. Because you're so like, good. fuck yeah, fuck Trevor. Fucking asshole. Yeah, fuck so, that fucking so asshole. Um, yeah, I love, like, so, like, the whole part where there's, like, it's focused on the river or, like, water before she goes into the, uh, like, into the psychiatric ward. Um, where, in, in like, Candyman has a voiceover. The whole time, like, we were just sitting there and Chris was like, oh, my God, like, what is going to happen? Like, she might as well. Like, she, he was like, this is so cool because this is the first time where I, like, don't know if, one, I don't know if she's going to give in to the darkness or evil. Or, two, like, I feel like her giving in to the darkness and the evil would be just as a valid decision as fighting it and overcoming totally. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was so it was so fucking cool to just be like, "Oh my god, like she it would almost be better if she just did because her yeah. life is so fucked." And I had like, moments yeah, oh, and I had moments where I was rooting for her to go into the evil. Yeah, like I wanted to. to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, which is awesome so cuz I got that ending, but the whole time I was like, "Bitch, like just become a fucking like legend." Like, "Yes, bitch." Just like give in to that like sexy voice telling you what to do like just great yeah <laughs> and there was a lot of like sex appeal and like sexual tension in it too which i really yeah enjoyed because it had like a very like sexy oh my god there's so many too. nipples and boobies in that film i know so many boobies her yeah. boobs she has great boobs too she has great ten. boobs but her nipples are so big <laughs> <laughs> but good boobs though. <laughs> but good boobs, good boobs. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a great film. Like I would totally, I would I would watch it again tomorrow. Like I loved it. Like I yeah, loved every minute of it. And I feel like it's one of those movies that, like, when you watch it again for the second time, you'll pick up on a lot more fun little things. <sighs> Definitely. You're gonna be like, oh fuck yeah. Definitely. Cause yeah, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I just want to eat up every single scene and every single like every visual that they're showing me. I just want to like. Eat yeah, cause like, the sets are perfect and set the tone perfectly. Like, yeah. We didn't even was, get into that. Yeah. It was a great movie. Go watch it, everybody. Definitely. 10 out of 10. Go watch that shit. Okay, so Chana. Anyways, how's your sex life? Except for that girl that that talked shit about her ending. Bye, guys. Very (laughs) true. (laughs) Yeah. Bye.